Hey everyone, and welcome to the Newbie Real Estate Investor uh, Podcast. Jonathan Boyle with my co-host Joey Chan, and today we have special uh, Vanessa Regalado. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Thank you, thank you, guys. I'm very excited to be with you and your podcast, and you guys are doing amazing things. And I'm very excited for your audience because you know I watched a couple of your videos and they're extremely extremely helpful for anybody that is new or seasoned in the industry i mean there's there's a lot for everybody and i think you guys are doing a wonderful job thank you for having me i'd love to say it's just strictly for the audience but it's also for me too <laughs> you know yeah that's that's definitely for sure you know and just so that audience know that you know i've had the pleasure of working with nessa she and her husband actually helped uh, rent out a couple of properties for us so thank you for that. Wow. Definitely extremely, extremely excited to have you on on the podcast as well. Let's uh, jump right into it. How did you get started in real estate and what do you do now? What brought you to where you're at? Well, actually, it's funny the way that I started in real estate. I graduated from Rutgers University back in 2005. And, you know, like the American mindset, it actually brainwashes you. Go to school, you know get a degree, get a four-year degree or master's, and then go and work for a large corporation, which is pretty much what I did, right? I graduated from my bachelor's in business management. I got my master's in business entrepreneurship. I went to work with one of the largest retailers in the area. It was like a Best Buy company. And I was like a regional business manager. So I was overseeing a lot of the managers and salespersons selling to business like my or companies and I was pretty back then in 2005 I was making like $60,000 which was not that bad for a recent graduate with you know full package and everything and as soon as I started my job I hated it like you know the first day it was a very competitive environment it was a male dominated environment I was the only female in the office actually oh wow eyes used to pick me every single day um, you know, just making like cruel comments or, you know, just making like comments that they were not appropriate. And it was just uncomfortable to a point that, you know, after a month of being in that job, I went to job, I went to work and I was crying on my way to work. And I'm like, I can't do this to myself. I'm quitting today. <laughs> and I quit. I quit on my, I came back home early. And then when my, well, at that point I was living with my dad and I came back home and he's like, what are you doing? here so early i'm like yeah. it's like what it's like how it's like it's makes you good it's sixty thousand dollars i'm not even making sixty thousand dollars 20 work 20 years working in here and you just graduated and you got this job i'm like i'm like it's just not for me it's it's just something that is very uncomfortable it doesn't make me feel you know that i'm achieving something it's miserable i went to work at that point after a week of quitting, I found a job working for a top producer agent in North Bergen. He was actually a developer as well, and he was a landlord. So it was like the three of everything. You know, he was a top producer, sales agent. He was developing his own projects, meaning he was doing a lot of condo conversions or a lot of buying buildings and holding on properties. So I went to work for him as the office manager, doing the marketing and handling the agents and also doing a little bit, just tiny bit of property management as well. So it was like a great experience for me to actually see the three areas of real estate, sales, develop, development, and also property management. 
after two years of working with him, he decided to close his company in another business. He kept his properties, his holding properties, but he sold the rest of the company. He's like, I don't want to do this right now. And I went to work for a major property management company. And that's how my passion for real estate in, man in the property management business started. I worked for them for a couple of years. It was a great company. I learned a lot. They were great owners, but the mindset was very old. The mindset of, you know, we've been in business for 20 years, so we know what we're doing type of thing. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't, the advice from the employees were not taken, meaning they were old school. They were still faxing things instead of like having a website to download things or wow. you a lot of emails or a professional software. So it was very frustrating to work with an old school mindset of processes, you know, that it actually puts everybody, the whole team behind in work because it just keeps accumulating for the lack of technology. So at the point it was just, you know, very overwhelming to work with that kind of old technologies. And I went to work on my own company. And plus, you know, the recognition, the salary was not there for me. So I opened Crown. And ever since then, I haven't looked back and that's how Crown Property Management was born. I started uh, managing condominium buildings. Eventually, a lot of investors started hiring me for rental buildings as well. And, you know, that's how we grew the company. You know, we started networking more with investors too, which I started in my home. <laughs> home. Uh, and then we got an office and eventually now we have almost we have 12 employees working with us that's a, what roughly just so an audience has a kind of like a timeline uh, around what year was that that you opened crown i opened crown back in 2007 so oh, wow. while working with the uh, property management company i mentioned i also i started my company as a maintenance company so i was servicing buildings in regards of cleaning and repairs mm -hmm. didn't conflict with my contract with them which was property management because i had a contract with them so but i knew a lot of people in the business so a lot of people were asking me for like maintenance and repairs so that's what i started doing part-time you know on the weekends or after work so Crown actually was born as a maintenance company. And then eventually when I got out of my job, then it transitioned to a full service property manager. So to clarify, you all this kind of happened within like a two year, three year time span then, correct? Like correct. Yeah. Yes. Wow. After I went to work with the property management company. After three years, I started working for my own company full time. The, the reason I'm bringing that up is just for the audience to see that you know, you could start somewhere else, you know, like learn and then take that knowledge and bring it into your own business. And so that way you could, you know, thrive. Recently, somebody actually asked me for my advice as far as property management. They want to open their own property management company. And I said, do you have any experience with it? And it's like, not really. And then I asked the second question, have you worked with a property management company at any level, in any position? You don't have to be a property manager. You can actually work as a, maybe a bookkeeper or something else in the company. It's like, no. I said, well, my advice if you're going into a business like mine is to go and work with somebody else. A business like ours, it's very complex and it holds a lot of liability. I mean, not like in real estate, you don't hold liability, but if you're like a real estate salesperson, you know, you hold a little bit of liability, but if you're very careful and you know how to structure business and you're honest, 
there shouldn't be any problems with you. But when you work in a business like ours, liability is daily, every minute. <laughs> you have tenants walking in hallways. You have tenants trying to sue you because they sleep in water that it was actually never there. You have tenants suing you because they fell in the snow. Uh, we've been in business 13 years. I've been sued three times. Out of the three times, nothing came back to us as being negligent. It was just merely accidents. Two out of the three times, the investigators actually found out that the people were lying. They were not actually, they didn't sustain any injuries. And they had, there were injuries that they actually sustained prior to the incident that they had in our properties. <laughs> but unfortunately, there was an incident in which they actually fell in the snow, not because it wasn't clean. They were actually cleaned it twice the day that the lady fell. But, you know, when it snows, you can't just cut out 100% of your liability. There's always going to be an incident that is going to happen as an investor, or as a landlord, or as a property manager that can affect you at some point. So that luckily, and we're blessed in 13 years, only one of the three lawsuits actually came through and insurance kicked in, thank God. And that was another thing, you know, somebody was saying to this guy that I gave him advice, like, you can start without insurance. I said, oh my dear, I said, don't, don't, don't start property management without insurance. You know what's gonna happen, it comes back to you and the lawsuit can be actually extremely expensive. Not just a payout of claim, but actually the whole process of defending you with you know, the other lawyers and in court and just legal paperwork and things like that, it can actually come out to like $50,000 in a good two year span that the whole lawsuit can last. So when somebody tells somebody, go into property management and don't get insurance, it's a little scary because if you can act, if you're found liable, whether it was negligent or no negligence on your end, you still have to pay out that money and it can actually put you out of business. And if your business is under your personal name, then the, the lawsuit actually goes after your social security. But if you have it under an LLC, then it goes after the company. So that's what I said. It's one of the business, it's the, it's, it's the branch in real estate that it gets overseen. It's not as much appreciated, but we carry a lot of work and a lot of liability on our end. Wow. That's just, I, I, I don't know about Joey, but that's a lot to digest. Like people don't really think about all these nuances about property management. Like, you know, it's funny. I know Joey and I, we manage our own properties right now. Like as we tend to scale, I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll probably be reaching out to someone like yourselves just for the simple fact that they're, Right now it's easy to handle, but I can only imagine how many you guys have, like, which actually lets me, uh, do you mind me asking, how many units are you guys managing right now? Right now we have over 1,800 units. Yeah, so I, I can't even imagine how I would be able to manage 1,800 units. <laughs> you, get, you get used to it. It's a, a very tricky business, but, you know, once you have processes in place and even somebody like yourself that you're doing self-management, you know, it's important that uh, as you grow your business and eventually you're going to branch out to hire somebody to free your time so you can grow more and more. Because if you are, you have 1800 units and you're doing it all, all on your own and then eventually you stop growing as a landlord, right? Because you're just reacting to phone calls and tenants and sending a plumber and sending up the electrician, right? But once you know once you have certain amount of units and you're starting a business or 
you have a portfolio that you can handle on your, you know, on your own, you still have to take certain precautious steps and also establish processes that is going to lower your liability and it's going to lower something coming back to you as the landlord. So, you know, one of the things is every time that we do any repairs with our tenants, and this is a tip that any landlord can use like yourself or anybody in your audience, we always take pictures or and after. Why? Uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say a tenant stops paying the rent and saying, oh, well, you know, Joey is a slumlord. He never sent anybody to do my repairs. So that, therefore, I'm not going to pay my rent. And then they go to court and they cried about it. But if you can actually prove to a judge that you were a good landlord, that you have your pictures before and after, and you have your text messages and you have emails with these tenants, we have a zero phone call policy in the office. And people thought that we were crazy when we implemented this was two years ago. We don't take any phone calls from tenants at all. The phone calls have been minimized from 100% to maybe 10%. And the reason we did it is just, it gets overwhelming, number one. Number two, it gets to a point that tenants like to talk too much sometimes. So it shouldn't be heard, but you know, at some point it gets to a point that I have a tenant right now from a new client that we just hired, that they just hired us. He's in his 50s, but every time we have to talk to him, it's an hour phone call. <laughs> Basically, wow. like one hour on the phone, he's just the kind of person that likes to chit chat a lot. So we minimize everything just because of two things. It, minimi- it increases our production and it, min- it minimizes our client's liability. So once you start recording things in text messages or in emails, then you can always go back to the tenant and say, hey, you know, this is why you said it, this is why you sent you never You never told me about that toilet being broken or you never said anything about, you know, your stove not working or you never said about something like this, because it always comes back to you if you're only having phone calls with them that that they can say, well, Joey, I told you about this and you never did anything, you know, if they go to court for some reason. Right, so right. Yeah. Messages, emails, everything that you can put in writing is always a good, ben- you know, in benefit of you. Yeah, no, exactly. It's funny because like, I have a tenant in um, one of my Irvington properties where she claims she always has like mice or something. And I swear to you, I, I have the exterminator go there like once every two weeks. And every time they come and they document things, they like, they always write the same thing that there is no traces of mouse droppings or uh, mice whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, at this point, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to, because it's part of my uh, monthly package anyway, they just come out and in case she decides to not pay rent one month, I always have it documented every single month that, look, this is the, this is uh, the pest control company. They come out every time she requests it and there's nothing there. So, I mean, unless she has photo evidence, which she's never sent me, then, you know. And that's the problem. A lot of a lot of people, they get into this verbal communication with tenants and they don't have anything in writing and they go to court and you can actually, it's giving them, you know, ammo, which I, that's what I call it, ammo for them to, with, you know, to withhold rent or for them to say, well, you know, I pay for my own repairs which sometimes they do without 
any basis. Like I had a tenant this year, actually. He painted the whole apartment and he's like, well, I told you guys I need a new paint. And I'm like, when did you send that to us? And now he wants like $1,000 in deductions from his rent. I'm like, well, you never said anything to us. You complain about a leak that which we fixed, but there was no repairs. There was something minor from the window. Other than that, if you mentioned something about painting, we should, you know, we could communicate with the landlord, but you never said anything. So therefore, we're declining your request to give you a credit of $1,000 in your account. So tenants can come out like with crazy things. And the more that you document things, the better for you, instead of just having those phone calls. And that's the reason we implement that zero tolerance on phone calls. So unless we really need to get back to people then yes, you know, the phone call, it's important to have that verbal communication. But when it comes to repairs, always document something. And even if we have a phone call with the, with the tenants, as soon as we're done with the phone call, we go to our text message center and we document everything we talk to them. Just, you know, as for our phone call today, this is what we discuss and this is what we agree. Thank you. And then, you know, documentation. Same thing as when you send a contractor or a vendor to your properties the contractor take before and after pictures and then save it in a folder or in any systems that you use for to do your own property management as a self-managed landlord just because you know if you're going to start asking the contract you go to court for whatever reason and you're going to reach out to a contractor and either they're not in business or you can't get a hold of them then you don't have those pictures with you and the before and after pictures is actually what helped me in that locks in, in that lawsuit that i mentioned before to prove that we were not negligent. She actually won a very, very generous amount of money because she did sustain injuries, but we were not found negligent by the law and by the court. If we would have been found negligent, she actually would have won more money than what she got. No so even though it was a loss on our insurance claim, at the same time, it was a win because there was no negligence on the landlord's end or our end. But, you know, it was helpful the fact that the day that she fell in the snow, we had two pictures. We sent our contractors in the morning and actually in the afternoon time. She fell after that. But we to the court that we sent twice the same day to clean the property and salt. And we show proof of payment as well. So if you can keep also those proof of payments up to seven years, that is also really good. So... Everything that you can keep in a folder, very organized by property. If you have 10 properties, so keep a folder for each property as well. Keep all the receipts, keep pictures from your landscapers, keep pictures from your snow removal company, because you never know when it can come back to you. The problem as well, it's a learning lesson for um, landlords that they do self-management or any property management company too. It started as an insurance claim and it went on like that for a whole year. And it did nothing happen because there was actually a hold on both of, you know, between the lawyer and the insurance company for my client. The tenant started getting agitated for the fact that a, one, a year went by and she actually established a lawsuit through the court. So after a year is when we got the lawsuit after the accident. Oh, wow. You will think, wow. I don't have pictures right now. Nothing happened, you know, whatever. And then a year later, you get a lawsuit in the mail. There's a statute of limitations, but since there was a claim already open, it can actually come back in any way. People can sue you anytime they want. And it's unfortunately, that's how it is. So it got, got me nervous now. I got to start. If you always, this is what I tell people, and this is what I tell my clients as well. If you are a good landlord, 
you do everything by law, if you do everything with heart, and if you pay attention, as soon as somebody brings something to you and you take immediate action within 24 hours, there's nothing that should come after you. People sue you regardless, but whether they're going to find you negligent or not, that's, that's the other side of the story. You know, it always, it's always a positive when you react quickly the same day or within 24 hours, um, just because if you waited a whole week, a whole week to address something, then that is when the courts start saying, well, you know, you didn't really communicate with your tenants. You didn't react promptly. And therefore you are negligent. And my client, you know, assess damages because of injuries because of you mm-hmm. at that point, monetary, you know, um, claim it's increases against you. So yeah. Wow. So Vanessa, I, uh, changing gears a little bit. So I understand you have also not only the property management company, but you, you also have a, I'm not sure if you're a, a, the broker or not, but you also have a real estate company as well, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how you got into that. And- I was licensed with Keller Williams back in 2005. And then I transferred my license to Group 26 a couple of years after, perhaps five years after that. And I've been licensed with them since then. Created a great relationship with our broker, James Lamb and Mike Lamb. And I think the relationship increased in the sense that, you know, we work together and they're a great company. They have a great foundation. They have great principles. And we had a lot of demand of people, investors working with us, asking us, can you sell my property? And also a lot of, you know, other people that they just came to us, you know, asking us for real estate sales. So it just makes sense. You know, I think, you know, when you're in the property management business, it's just goes one, you know, together, one by, you know, one and the other. You yeah. have properties, we have clients that they sell properties, we have rentals. So at some point we sit down with Richard and we're like, you know, well, we have this increase in demand of sales and rentals and people are asking us to, look for properties for them and buildings as well, that we were, the idea of opening our own brokerage came up to the table. We had a lot of people coming to us actually asking us to be their partners in a brokerage, but we didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the way up to when we sat down with Mike and James and we discussed opening a brokerage in Union County that it made more sense, you know, we knew who they were, you know, we work with them. I was licensed with them for, you know, for many years. So we were comfortable enough to know that there were people with principles and people that they were very hardworking and they have a good foundation and a good reputation in the industry. So that's when we solidified the idea of opening the brokerage with Union County, which is something that we did last year. Prior to that, we were just in discussions for a whole year of locations and things like that. Just minor things, but that's how Group 26 uh, Ignite was born last year. Mm-hmm. Our baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's been, awesome. It's been a wonderful experience. Mike and James are great people. And, and so far, we have hired a couple of agents already. Uh, we're focusing in Union County, but we do have clients in other counties as well that, you know, we're working with them um, in other counties too. Just out of curiosity, I know you work with with landlords, investors, and everything like that. Are you an investor and landlord yourself as well, or? I am not a landlord yet. 
um, actually working on that. I mean, you would think that after so many years of managing properties for other people, I own my own properties, but we are with the plans of starting our own portfolio. We do, we have done investments, flipping mainly, which we buy and flip properties. That's something that we have done. So we are very confident that this week, this year, we can start our own investment portfolio too. Who are you hiring to manage those properties? <laughs> <laughs> Myself, I don't trust anybody else. <laughs> uh, I'm very anal about things. I'm very picky about how things get handled. So I don't think I can trust my properties with anybody else. It's just, you know, a very tricky business. I think, um, you know, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And right. we make mistakes. We learn from our mistakes. But the one thing that in 13 years of business, you know, very, I'm very, I take pride of the fact that Nobody has sued me for misappropriation of funds, negligence, or anything like that. It's been merely accidents with the, the three of them. It's been accidents with tenants falling in the snow, which I said two of them is just, they were fake. You hear stories, I mean, and we get clients from everywhere. We get very well-known investors that we manage for them. They're just very private about their portfolios. People that maybe you interacting Facebook and you don't even know their landlords. <laughs> right. yeah, they come absolutely. to us and they say, you know what, Vanessa, we want you to manage our properties, but we don't want anybody to know that we own properties. So, you know, the fact that you can come to somebody and say something like that, keeping their privacy, keeping their properties and keeping the liability away is something that I feel very, very proud of that. Um, when I take clients like that, they always come with a different story. And it's crazy because every time that we take a new client, they always come with a bad experience from somebody else. Uh -huh. And it's the kind of business that it just opens that door of something like that happening to, to people like them, you know? Like we had a client come in that he said to me, Vanessa, I was with a property management company in Newark. And he has a portfolio in Newark. And I want you to manage it because I, don't, I think something is happening that I'm not getting my financial reports. So I hear great things about your company. I see you guys in Facebook a lot. And I want to give you guys a try and see how everything works. When we took their portfolio and we started interacting with the tenants, the first of the month, I actually, like, I actually got like 10 tenants like laying around in my office the first of the month. And when I started taking their checks, I'm like, ma'am, you're giving me more money than you're supposed to pay. Is there any reason why? And every single tenant had the same story. I'm like, why are you guys paying me more? I mean, your lease says this much. It's like, oh, well, you know, we pay for renter's insurance. I'm like, what do you mean renter's insurance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pro previous management company was giving us renter's insurance. It was $100 per month more. What? Wow. Like, uh, no. First of all, your property management company shouldn't sell you renter's insurance because there are no licensed insurance brokers. And secondly, you can get renter's insurance for $150. I can get you a broker that can get you something for $150 for something basic that you don't need more than $50,000 in, in a $100, almost $1,200 a year. That's like a home insurance policy. Oh, that's yeah. what they were charging. So we ended up finding out that he was, I'm like, and the second question was, when you were paying your rent, were you paying your rent to the landlord's LLC or to the management company? And they're like, the management company. So what they were doing is that they were charging, if the rent was $1,100, they were charging the tenants $1,200. And they were pocketing $100 for themselves. Wow. Right. 
So they were making money out of the management fee, but they were also making money from the tenants, a hundred dollars yeah. that they were paying. Yeah, they were double double dipping. They were they double dipping. So it's just sad because it gives a bad name to the industry. And I, there's a lot of great companies out there, but there's a lot of companies that you have to be extremely careful how they handle things. Wow. Uh, tenants don't know. They think that whatever people tells them is what it is. And, you know, a lot of them either they're not well educated or they might be immigrants. There was a portion of the portfolio that it was in the list of it, a lot of Im immigrant tenants as well. So they're afraid of things sometimes and they don't speak up and they don't say something because, you know, it's just what it is for them. So they take advantage of the situation. They, take adv they took advantage of the fact that my client was out of state as well. So he couldn't come and talk to the tenants. Um, so just little things like that makes a big difference for people. When we communicated that to my client, he's like, I can't believe that was happening. I'm like, well, you, this is the reason I was always getting my friends late. He was getting them like in the 20th. Huh. He was cashing um, first and then when he was depositing into the client's account later. So, so question, Vanessa, what, what are some questions that someone should ask any property management company before working with them? For referrals. In asking for referrals and speaking with current clients that they manage should be the first thing that a client should do. The second thing is to drive around the properties. Go around the properties and if you're lucky enough, you can actually tenants coming out of the property and speak to the tenants and say, hey, how is your property management company handling your property? Correct? Mm -hmm. And you also get an idea of how well the property gets maintained outside too. So third, insurance. A lot of people do this business without uh, insurance. I see a lot of realtors doing property management, but they're not insured. Mm -hmm. What kind of certifications the company holds? Uh, you know, when you do this on a part-time basis or when you do this and you're not properly either certified, you haven't taken any classes, it actually puts your client in disadvantage. Not yourself as a company, but your clients. Because at the end, somebody that is working on this field full-time and they actually educate themselves every year, train themselves every year and their staff as well, then it has an advantage over somebody who only does this part-time not insured, they don't educate themselves, they don't do any continuing education, and we're not required by the, by the state of New Jersey to be licensed and insured or certified or anything. Mm -hmm. It's the industry that is not even regulated by the state of New Jersey. So the problem is that a lot of people start in this business without any knowledge. So we are certified in communication with our tenants, we are certified in financial statements, we are certified in insurance, uh, we don't hold licenses, but we take classes in insurance. I took actually a three-month certification in construction management, same thing as Richard. Uh, whenever we, my staff starts working in my office before they take any phone calls, any phone calls at all, not even to make a phone call to a vendor, they go through a two-week training in my office. They sit with somebody pretty much right next to each other, and they shadow that person for two weeks to see what that person does, how they answer the phones, phone etiquette. We train them in um, discrimination laws. We train them in communication with the tenants, communication with the clients, and we have video clips that we have in our system that they have to watch those 
training videos before they actually speak with any tenants. Uh, we are big in customer service and we have at least five different videos just in train for training purposes in tenant communication. That's just the base of our business. You deal with them on a daily basis, not even our clients. Tenants, 80% of our interaction is with your tenants. So when you ask somebody, you're going to hire a property management company, ask them, what kind of training do you give to your employees? Are you certified? Do you take yearly classes? That gives you an idea if this person is serious about their business mm -hmm. and if they educate themselves and their staff on a yearly basis as well. Wow, that's pretty neat. So, all right, yeah, that's, that's definitely a lot to ask, especially cer certain things you don't even really think about. Some people think like, oh, they have clients already, let's just go with them type of thing. But yeah, these are very important things you wanna know, especially as a landlord, because heck, like you said, the management company could be stealing from the tenants or stealing from you or something, you know? Like I've heard horror stories where the property management is like, oh, there's this repair that needs to be done. And then they repair it or whatever, but they really don't. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, so. Um, yeah, we, we heard stories. I mean, I, I have probably thousands of stories that you wouldn't even think that something like that to a client and it's horrible because i i was left with three clients that i took from the same management company with five hundred thousand dollars in debt the company was actually saying that they were doing repairs and they took loans in behalf of those properties they were condominium buildings so it works a little different than when you have rental properties mm -hmm. they took five hundred thousand dollars loans in each one of the buildings in behalf of the associate the hoa association and they didn't do the repairs. So they pocket $1.5 million in behalf of those clients without doing actually any repairs. So, I mean, at the end, everything came to light. The company actually closed down. The owner of the company, the, the owner of the company, company ended up in jail, but it just gives you an idea of how much damage can, can cause somebody, somebody can cause to a client if you're not overseeing things properly. So that's what I said, review, you know, reviews, uh, speak with all the clients so you can get an idea of how other people are being managed by these companies. So what's a piece of advice you'd give to someone if they wanted to start it in real estate? Well, I think, you know, like everything you do in life, um, if you do things with passion and with love and with care, you are going to be successful in anything you do. If you're going to compromise to start a new career in real estate, just make sure you put passion into it. It's like a flower. You water it and you say good things to them. They grow and give you flowers and fruit. If you're a company and you expect it to grow, but you don't put any passion and you don't put any love into it, then it's going to die off eventually. Education is key. I, I emphasized this before. Whether you're doing property management, whether you're doing real estate, flipping, you know, holding, anything you do, educating yourself is the first thing that you do. You go into a business that you don't educate yourself and you, you don't learn first, you are walking yourself into failure directly, straight up. <laughs> you're heading to failure directly because you're going without any knowledge. You're actually being a little negligent in taking money and putting it in a business that you have no idea how it works, how it functions. 
getting a mentor is key. I was very lucky, like I said, that I worked for a property management company for three years, and they were great people. I did, I mentioned that just as old school mindset was just, it was a, a negative for me, but the owners were very good people. I learned a lot from my mentor, which was the owner of the company. So having a mentor or working in the field with somebody right next to you for at least one year, it's something that you should do if you're going into real estate. Shout out somebody or get a mentor or work with somebody for free, you know, a couple of hours a week just to learn the business. And this way you're confident that whenever you do your first transaction or if you're going into property management, you open mm -hmm. your property mm -hmm. management company, then you are going into the right direction, knowing your basics at least. Real estate is something that you don't stop learning. It's not like you're gonna work in it one year and you're gonna be like, well, I'm an expert, uh, I'm a mogul, or you know, I'm this and that. Every day you're learning something new. So it's, it's continuous education as well as something that is gonna keep you above everybody else, the average. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, wow, no, it's true. Like I, I feel, I've been in real estate investing for about three years now. And every day I'm learning something new. So right. <laughs> yeah, the day I stop learning, I think is the day I'll stop real estate. <laughs> Which I don't think that's never going to happen because I've been in this business 13 years and I'm learning something new every other day. I learn about my background in my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday I'm like, oh, well, this is cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's something, you know, technology changes, economies changes, you know, society changes, and it's, everything changes around you. Obviously, your career will change always. And if you don't keep up yourself with changes and the education every, 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 every month, because every month you should be learning something new. Get yourself, you know, a, a free webinar from somebody, you know, Bigger Pockets is big on webinars and they're free. Um, you guys are hosting podcasts, listen to podcasts, listen to people that are actually doing something in real estate and they're being very successful. So following up on people that are successful is something that you can all, and it's free. You know, there's a lot of people paying thousands of dollars for these expensive courses. And sometimes you don't need that when you're, when you're at the beginning stage of your career, you can learn a lot of great information from everywhere. The internet is huge now. So, uh, Vanessa, where can people uh, find you at if they wanted to reach out to you or had any questions or comments? So we have a website. It's Crown, C-R-O-W-N-E, M-S-M-A-R-Y, G-S in German, M-S-M-A-R-Y, T-S-N-T-O-M.com. That's our property management website. We also have a Facebook group, which is called Landlord Mastery Group in Facebook. So we do a lot of, we started our own property management podcast actually yesterday. So we're going to do it every Wednesday at 3 p.m. And we are going to have a lot of guest speakers, like guys like yourself that are self-managing or property managers or people in the industry that is going to be relating to only the landlord portion of property management area. So we're going to have great tips in there so they can always join us as well in that group. And uh, we're going to have amazing speakers and amazing topics. So you can follow us in that group as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm already in that group. Yes, we recently posted something for evictions. You know, we had, uh, we hosted a watch party with two lawyers in regards to eviction processes. So we do a lot of that follow-up. We post resources for tenants. Uh, and the podcast is just going to bring a lot of, you know, 
what a landlord should be doing right now if they're self-managing their properties. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a great benefit for those uh, landlords that they don't have a property management company yet or anybody that just wants to learn a little bit more of how to properly oversee their rental properties. Uh, once again, I want to thank Vanessa for being on. Thank you, Vanessa, for uh, taking the time out of your day to, uh, you know, just speak to us and get yeah. information. This is definitely very powerful and it really means a lot. No, thanks. To yeah. you thank you for having me. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for being able to speak in your show. So thank you for so much for having me today. No problem. Take care. Yeah.